0: Episode number 57.
1: (laughs) Can't pull that off. (laughs) All right, you ready? I'm Clay Lowe.
0: And I'm Sarah Beth Hunt.
1: You're listening to the Havana Cafe Sessions Podcast,
0: where we get together once a week over coffee to talk about the big questions of life.
1: Let's get into the show. Hello. Hello. We're back.
0: Happy uh, Havana.
1: Happy Havana. Havana Cafe. Uh, when when is the birth of our podcast? When are we, I don't know. I think we, back in March. But we past you know, the birthday, oh, Have
0: we? You are talking the wrong person. I am not a dates person. You're not a dates person. Okay, no. we'll I'll have to
1: remember for the next time because we will have to, you know, have
0: have a celebration. Have a
1: celebration. I don't think yeah. we celebrated. Did we celebrate on the We had coffee.
0: That's a celebration. Is enough. that enough? That's yeah. enough
1: of it. All right. So great. So this topic that we're talking about today is interesting one. Um, and. Well, on a number of different levels, because it's about solitude and loneliness we want to talk about, or or the contrast between the two, or or the verses, isn't it? We said loneliness versus solitude. Um, Interesting topic, because I'm a person that likes people, but also likes to be quite alone a lot, um, and go on these adventures inside my head, or go into my man cave, or go into my fortress of solitude, whatever you want to call it, I do love that time where... I don't have to interact with humans, and sometimes my kids used to say, and we had this running joke in the house that I was an alien because I have to get away from humans sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, oh. That's en- also just <laughs> being an introvert
0: at some level.
1: <laughs> I, I had enough humans, but you know, I'm not an introverted on yeah, all of my personality. Yeah, that's right. That's
0: true. Tests, um, You've got that uh, trailblazer kind of archetype yeah. for yourself, don't you? Yeah. So it's like go off leave the tribe and go off and find...
1: Find things. Yeah. And then come back and tell everybody about it and then go off again. Yeah. So, solitude versus loneliness. What did you discover today? Because you were reading some a couple of good articles. Yeah, there it. were
0: some good articles on it. And, um, yeah, it's kind of funny because when I think about myself, you know, I'm kind of... Having young kids, you're kind of in that phase of life where you're constantly surrounded by people. Like, <clears throat> people don't even leave me alone at night sometimes. So... You know, so I'm about to go on this trip, and uh, the idea of having hours and hours and hours on a plane is like the most amazing thing in the world to me. You know, which I'm sure, you know, at some other point in my life, having a big long, you know, plane journey would be something you wanted to just get through. But for me, just being alone is like such a joy. But I think that's because it's a counterbalance to a lot of other as you know time so in my what, daily and weekly life. And I think that's kind of a key thing with this right. loneliness, solitude. you got to get the balance right,
1: don't you? I'm going to say, what is what is loneliness? How are we defining loneliness?
0: Well, so, yeah, I thought, I thought that, so, so basically, you know, there's this idea of solitude. And particularly when you're talking about creatives, there's a lot of people that have written, like Virginia Woolf, for instance, has written a lot about the creative solitude or the fertile solitude that leads to creativity and introspection and all these kind of like positive um yeah and almost like energizing kind of aspects
1: yeah
0: uh and whereas kind of the flip side or the other side of the coin of being alone Is this a a feeling of isolation or loneliness that is much more um, kind of negative and energy sapping? And uh, yeah, so one of the things they pointed out, um, which I think is quite an important thing, is that solitude is often voluntary, whereas isolation or loneliness is often involuntary. It's kind of feel feels if it's not actually imposed it feels imposed right
1: so loneliness is about what not having friends or family or just no other human being to connect with
0: I think you know w- what is also interesting about doing this reading because it links in w- with what we were doing last week with um particularly the Brene Brown stuff and so we were looking at Like, she talks about vulnerability and and the idea uh, that she tried to, as a psychological researcher, study connection. And when she did that, people continually talked to her about feelings of disconnection. And so she ended up being a researcher studying vulnerability quite by accident a little bit. And we linked that up last week with talking about limiting beliefs. But actually what she says is that... What all of us need is connection, and so loneliness is actually not a lack of other people around you, but a feeling of connection—a feeling that you have some, you know, that you can share part of yourself in an authentic way with someone else.
1: Yeah, because you can be in a crowded room and still be lonely, and you can be amongst
0: friends and feel lonely.
1: Yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, then yes. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I think yeah.
0: there's there's times I think where we well, probably how, all how felt to, like how, that, where I'm suddenly say, your friends let's just go don't get that, something.
1: Um, how yeah. is it that you can be lonely amongst friends if we're talking connection?
0: Well, I suppose if there's something that's happened to you, like, and then suddenly you feel that you either can't share that with your friends or that suddenly this experience takes you apart from their experience and you feel like they, they don't really get it so even though you might try to explain it it's suddenly not something that you can connect with them anymore so that you might find that suddenly people who you were connected with you could be in a room with them and because of some experience you've had then suddenly that connection or you feel disconnected I suppose
1: okay so they so they were a friend <laughs> they're no longer a friend or they are no, well, not a friend around that particular topic as in you don't feel like you can you yeah. can't go to them and talk about like, it and get in it
0: I suppose that there's a there was a different there were different like categories of of loneliness hmm. in all this reading and one of them which I think is a good example is the loneliness of loss or mourning so say you're in a group of friends and stuff and particularly if you're young probably most of your friends haven't lost a parent Hmm. but if that is something that happens to you or you lose somebody really important to you even even I suppose that feeling can come if you break up with someone then suddenly things are different for you and you might feel that even people that are your friends and will continue to be your friends, don't really get what you're going through in that moment. And so there can be a feeling of like loneliness within that loss.
1: So um, it's, it's, about a, it's about connection and, rela- and rela- relatedness, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think so. Because,
1: yeah, because I, I mean, that's what I'm picking up is that even though we could be friends, but I've got something deep in me that's kind of close that I would like to be able to share with someone, but I don't feel that like people either get it or my friends don't get it or they can't understand. Yeah. Or maybe we that. don't
0: feel like we can, like there are words for it, or we don't yeah. really understand it ourselves, or there are Have you all ever kinds had a of period
1: things. of like being really lonely?
0: Yeah, quite a, a few actually. So once was when I first moved to this country, hmm. when, um, so we, me and uh, my then boyfriend, who's now my husband, moved over and he got a job. So we moved to Cambridge for his job and then on Monday morning he went off to work and I kind of had that feeling of you look around your room and you're like, oh. And I didn't know anybody and so there were quite a number of months where, I'll give you a guess of what I did.
1: Read, I was I went to a
0: cafe and cafe. wrote.
1: And wrote. <laughs> well, it's a good thing you were going to cafes because that's how we met in the cafe, oh, that's wasn't right,
0: it? That's right, that's right. Doing so, that
1: very thing, you writing.
0: So... Yeah, there was a a long period, you know, when I really literally knew no one in this country that I felt, you know, the the kind of back and forth between solitude and loneliness. Mm. I suppose sometimes it can feel positive and other times it can kind of creep up on you a bit in in not such a good way. Um, Yeah, and then also we moved again and um, this is when we were away from Leamington up in Glasgow. And I had, my, both my kids were really young, and I think it's funny how you can be lonely even, even though you're surrounded by people, and like, I, you know, my kids were there all the time, but they're not adults, and yeah. so there's, there's a different kind of connection. Um, so yeah, I kind of know both sides of it. I, I feel like I definitely yearn for solitude yes. a lot. And I'm quite happy because of the things I love to do, like writing and reading and all that stuff. I'm quite happy most of the time. And, you know, where some people want to go to work, I'm quite happy to work on my own and can manage my time and all that stuff. Similar to you, I guess. Yeah. But, but, yeah, I've, I've kind of seen that other, that other side of loneliness. And it's really, it's not, it's not easy. It's really tough. That, I was going to say, I'm, I'm
1: just trying to think now, if I've had a time when I felt like lonely lonely because I think I've always been such a lone wolf that mm. I'm trying to see what loneliness would feel like as in um especially when we talk about loneliness being about having a con- connection with someone uh, you know having a connection with people and a relatedness and I think I spent so much time as just a lone wolf as in not needing a connection um yeah, but yeah, I guess if I stretch myself back, I can think back to I think maybe it would have been in the 90s, early 90s. And and it was probably particularly more around a sort of a holiday time because I was away from my family. So my mom was down in Georgia, my dad was in New Jersey, and like all my friends would go off to their families and stuff, but for whatever reason I didn't go. Right. to any family so then it was it was and not because I c- couldn't go I don't remember the circumstances of why I didn't go but what I guess what made a contrast and maybe felt of, on the loneliness is that people had places to go mm-hmm. and were excited about going to them and I didn't have that that's space. right that that
0: reminds me of how I felt in Cambridge when I first moved over it's like mm. when you have that experience of I don't have anywhere to be no mm. one's waiting for me to show up at a job or show up at a social event or yeah. anything and I, I could literally
1: thing to anyone. Yeah. Like, oh, this thing happened to me today <laughs> yeah.
0: and you have nobody that like if you don't go there you don't do anything all day long if you literally like stay in your bed all day it, no one would notice yeah. that difference between you going out or you staying in or you doing whatever you're doing
1: yeah. yeah. And part of the problem for me is that because I am so much in my lone wolf state, that um, even my friends, you know, they're quite used to me sort of disappearing, but still mm. being around, but disappearing because I'm off on some quest in my head <laughs> that I'm present. But oh, yeah,
0: that's what happened to me. you disappeared off of social media and oh, I was yeah, like, right, oh, what happened to Clay?
1: <laughs> you, yes, I did on Messenger oh, no, for like so you're, hours. You're, because we spend so much time together now, you're starting to get a sense of feeling that when I disappear. When you disappear, that's right. <laughs> because, ah. And I think it got to the point where most people are like, they, they, they become used to it as in, all right, he's off on one of his... things again and he'll be back though yeah 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 Um, yeah so no it's interesting that and so solitude then if if loneliness is about a disconnection solitude is about
0: i I think i think what came out really is the solitude feels like you're alone physically Mm -hmm. so i think also a difference seems to be like you can feel lonely and isolated in a crowd but i'm not sure you can experience solitude in a crowd.
1: In the crowd.
0: You know, I think solitude, to me, at least, seems like you are physically also by yourself, but it also is about, seems to be about a kind of reconnection with yourself, what makes you tick, stuff that's important to you, and however that kind of... Is yeah, for so like you. Superman
1: going to his fortress of solitude. Yeah, right. You know, when he needed exactly. to get away, exactly. Oh, Just go I'm out. trying to get it.
0: my kids to watch Superman. You got to. Yeah, I know, like, it's so good.
1: You gotta have your fortress of solitude.
0: Speaking of which, yep. one of the in, one of the interesting um aspects of loneliness, and, and I think you'll probably have a lot to say about this, is this loneliness of leadership.
1: Okay, so, yeah, yeah. So, um, That's a lonely space, that is. Yeah. I can't so, tell you about that a lot. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. So, But, I mean, I'm sure also in your work, isn't it? Because, you know, basically, so this, um, and I'll put all these in the sh- these articles in the show notes, but there was a really good one where um, this guy called Eli um, Weisel, I think it's called, um, talks about that. And he uses the example of Moses from the Bible mm. and how... He, he says, his solitude is linked to his extraordinary talents, virtues, and responsibilities. A true leader cannot function without those whom he or she leads. By the same token, the leader cannot work or live in the midst of, as one of them, hence the ambivalence of his or her position. And I felt like that was kind of... You know, I've heard you talk before about how people are nervous about promotions and sometimes like you know again like we talked about last week, you kind of working to keep yourself small or keep yeah. yourself under the radar. And there is that aspect. You move into a position of leadership and suddenly
1: You're not one of the boys or that's one of the right. girls anymore. That's and right. Now you're now your management so you, you can't have the same deep kind of conversation. So it's like the loneliness of command basically and that you, you and it's almost in some ways there's a um I don't know if it's, if you call it a, a Paradox, necessarily, but because you want to relate and connect with the people that you lead. So, but at the same time, you have to get close, but not too close. So there always there is some distance between you. But there needs to be enough of a closeness that they feel you a genuine interest in you. But at, at, but you can't relate to them in the same way. So for, as I'm thinking of as, as an infantry balloon platoon leader, for instance, you know, you know, leading combat soldiers and all that. There's a there's an aspect. Where you know they're looking to you for guidance, strength. Your the comps so of you lose your cool type thing, or seem afraid, then that sort of trickles down in that space, and they've got each other to to talk to in that sense. But then who it's do just you talk you. To? yeah, it's like yeah. who do you talk to? And you can you know get together with your fellow platoon leaders sometimes, but sometimes you you know you're isolated. and It's just you. In your troops and
0: and you've got to hold that confidence yourself i suppose and yeah, in yeah. your own leadership in your own yeah. kind of direction
1: and it, it, exactly yeah so you've got to hold it and you've got no one to you know necessarily to seek counsel with like right there like how you can with your friends and stuff and i suppose it happens the same in the sort of as we, you know in the sort of corporate world as well if you especially if you're and I think this is sometimes a bad thing. One of the things we used to do in the military is if you got promoted to, say you were you know, a, a just you a know, normal soldier, then you become a, a squad leader, for instance. Then they move you to a different platoon. They try and move you to a whole other company, but definitely a different platoon. Okay. Because it is tough to one day be one of the guys trying to snuff yeah. off of work and yeah. you, know, yeah. you know, all the little tricks and things like that to all of a sudden... Now you're responsible and in charge, and it just is hard to do. But I find a lot of times in the corp- corporate world that someone's really good at a job, and then they make them the um, leader of that section, they make them the manager. But one, the person just because they were good at managing doesn't mean they're good at, or just good at, good at the job doesn't mean they're good at being a manager in relation to people in that aspect. And then we're where you would have had the connection with your friends, we're sitting around we're joking and talking about management, suddenly you're on the other side and you hit into that loneliness aspect because you can't relate to them in the same way.
0: So I suppose mm. that kind of is the thing that goes back to connection, isn't it? It's about, mm. you know, can you talk to someone else about the things that and yeah, oh, about genuinely just the made way me you feel I think
1: maybe I don't feel loneliness because I'm crazy because I talk to myself a lot, so I connect. With,
0: yeah, I, right.
1: I, when you were just saying that, I was thinking, well, who the hell do I talk to? I talk to myself an awful lot. That's my connection. Yeah, that's <laughs> my connection.
0: Maybe that's why we get along because we're both Man, a little bit it, crazy. Yeah,
1: that's it. I think uh, I'm I, always having dialogues. I,
0: I did love that Brene Brown stuff, though, about how basically her ultimate kind of ironic. Uh, Like result from her research because she's like a psychological researcher and is basically we have to allow ourselves to be vulnerable in order to have, to find connections. So in order to be an authentic self, you have to kind of open yourself up, which means you're kind of exposed, you feel a bit vulnerable but the people she said who she studied who had the easiest time making connections with others were also those who were able to be vulnerable and didn't see it as something that was a weakness or something that was um, scary or Mm. threatening, but something that was part of the connection process. So, you know, you have to be able to talk about the things that you're worried about or talk about, the you know, rather than just... I don't know, you know, present the good face. And I think, you know, that can sometimes, like our inability to be vulnerable can sometimes lead us to feeling quite lonely, even amongst people that we professor or friends because
1: yeah. if you're not actually letting people in I've got this little box inside of me that I put all that stuff oh, in clay. I do I put it all in there so now I'm able to connect with people because I don't mind sharing like well you see me on social media and everywhere I don't, I, I don't mind sharing all of my life because that little bit that I suppose that would make you really really vulnerable is locked in the vault nice and tight nice. safe away from anything yeah. <laughs> Any yeah. connection um, before we get too deep into my brain there, we should probably take a, a quick break um, and then we come back and then I'll share some stuff with you about um, the fact that we may be hardwired for being with other people and we're not meant to be alone.
0: Which I suppose is why leadership can be a bit tricky because if, if your organization doesn't allow or doesn't kind of promote connection between leaders. And once you get to leadership, you're just kind of go for it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay.
1: You're listening to the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast. I'm Clay Lowe. The Havana Cafe Sessions podcast is a listener supported show, which means it's brought to you by people like you. If you pop over to HavanaCafeSessions.co.uk and click on the contribute page, you'll find a number of different ways you can contribute to the show if you care to do so. Leaving a review on iTunes, subscribing to the show, or sharing it with a friend are a few options. These are very valuable contributions, as is something monetary, like setting up a reoccurring payment or contributing a pound an episode. Any and all options are very much appreciated. Thank you so very much for those of you who have already done so, and thank you in advance for anybody that is considering doing so in the future. All right, let's get back to the show. The question, uh, well, the book I'm reading right now, because I'm doing a lot of, sort of corporate work out at the moment, and, but it's working with teams. and There's a new book out by Rich Calgard and Michael S. Malone. It's called Team... Genius, the new science of high performing organizations. And I started reading this book because I was just thinking about how well, it's it's an ongoing thing with me, having come from the military and and what teams mean in that instance, and then working in the corporate world. And what I think a lot of times there's the label of teams, but they're probably more group than a team in terms of the interdependency. Mm. Um, You, if you don't win, none of us wins. You know, so that kind of interdependency doesn't seem to be there. So, what I'm working the group that I'm working with now, they're organized into teams, but I think most of the people are individuals. They just sit in the same area, but they're a team. (laughs) But I think there's the intent to to have them as a team. So, the challenge to me is, okay, well, and it's great, and I'm liking the challenge, because it's making me to go back to think, what. is a team? What com- what's the composition of a team? What does it mean to be a team? Which led me to that book. Um, but there's some great stuff in here in relationship to why, actually, we, as as a species, need to be in groups or teams. as See, it were. I find
0: this all ironically fascinating, coming from you, who's like professing like the, the lone, lone wolf. wolf. Yep. Now which which suddenly is why I'm it's like, finding oh. this fascinating because yeah. I'm
1: thinking, well, maybe I could be that much better if I stop being a lone wolf so it's got me wanting to connect with people and thinking well could I boost my potential by coming out of the lone wolf stage so that's Mm. like that's that well tell us more yeah well I'm I'm in pursuit of answering that question for myself but anyway so it says one of the questions um in the book was are human beings designed to work together um and basically they put forth the argument that our human body was designed to be um, connected with other people, both emotionally um, and otherwise. So, in order, for, so that we're hardwired to act cooperatively with other people. You
0: mean like the way our brain works?
1: Yeah, the way yeah, that our right. brain sort of works. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then when we do engage with another, and this is what's got me thinking do I need to, you know, stop being a lone wolf? That when we engage with another person, Um, and we're embarking on this sort of intimate brain-to-brain connection, it actually makes us a better person. And I'm sure everyone's experienced the fact that if you're in a good relationship, then it's good for your health. But if you're in a toxic relationship, it can be physically bad for your health as well because it's something that matches with the chemicals in our head um, and how the relationships around us affect us. But the thing that's got me excited was this fact that or it's really intriguing me is that yes can you be you know that much better working in these groups and the optimal number and I'm, I'm kind of dipping back a little bit to the beginning of the book where we're talking about the ultimate size of a, of, of a team is actually between 7 and 12 mm. for some reason um, just biologically that is that's the number and um, that statistically makes us, like, seven is, like, the, the perfect number. Twelve, you're starting to sort of push it. Of big, okay, right. and, and mostly it's about the, that's the number of people that you can recognize and see and understand and emotionally be connected to, such that, back and to And I suppose, like,
0: whenever you're making a decision, taking into account all the members of the team... You can only take into account so many different people's
1: kind of strengths, interests. But it was more about what you said earlier, is about the trust and vulnerability. Oh, so okay. we don't have the capacity to know people to the depth that we could trust them without having to think about it. So so twelve oh, okay. starts to push us to our limit. Seven, I can deeply understand you and then therefore trust you and then therefore I'm able to be more vulnerable with you and trust you.
0: Okay, right. Yeah,
1: so when companies that have... Hewlett-Packard was famous for this, is that the two founders, when they first started the company, they knew everybody in the company, and they were you know, they, you know, doing all sorts of performance records and the like. As they grew, they noticed that, one, they stopped being able to recognize people, but also performance was starting to sort of taper. So they split. Every time they get too large, they split into smaller organizations and then so they can have smaller teams so that you can have that connection with right. the people that, that, that you're around. So it it comes to that back to this trust aspect and hmm. um, and it's something our upper limit is something like and this isn't like close friends, but our upper limit starts to in terms of the people that we could know is like a hundred or somewhere along that that lines. But anybody that goes beyond that number twelve, you become less trusting of that person you relate to each other we can live in harmony but yeah. we don't have the trust factor to, to us um, so th- that's what they were putting putting forth in terms of uh, you know in our brain and I've, I've written down here on the notes and we'll share these notes in the in the show notes
0: and they're so pretty oh
1: yes of course have, they're so artistic I have, compared I to mine have to keep going with it is oxytoxin is the is the chemical that is un, underpins this connection with people, and oxytocin does a number of things. <laughs> um, from what I'm understanding here, from, it connects us from the sort of maternity aspect, anxiety. Yeah, aspect. I was gonna
0: say oxytocin, oxytocin. is uh, very powerful stuff for someone it. who's had two babies. Yes, yeah. it's, it powers it's, up,
1: it's the basic neurobiological element in the human brain it's our social brain basically and i guess where we're coming from connection that's for us it's it's that sort of social brain it it increases our uh it increases the social interaction between adults improves the processing of positive social information and enhances in-group trust Hmm. flip side of that because that's all the lovely stuff the dark side of it is because of that it makes this idea of the outsider even more. So we become aggressively um, defensive toward people that are outside of our group. And then tying back into this idea about, you know, seven is an optimal number when we start approaching the hundreds, So we think in in a town, communities can be closer together as we know people, but then as the town gets too big and there's more strangers, then Mm -hmm. they become more closed... And my community, you know, I get more um, insular, insular to my community because within yeah, the community.
0: totally. You know, it's, it's funny. This is totally random and just striking me. Yeah, but yeah. the number 7 to 12 is about the size of what people's family, in nuclear families probably were, Yeah. yeah. isn't it? Because it's yeah. like, so I wonder if that must have some kind of evolutionary... I mean, that's just a guess, but...
1: No, no, it's, it, it's connected in terms yeah. of tribes as well. So yeah. from a tribal point of view, again, you would have had this sort of... Um, the reasons tribes would split, again, if they got too big, then yes, now I can yeah. no longer recognize friend and foe necessarily because right it's too big so i see you so the moment where even though we live in the same space and i look and you're a stranger than that that increases the anxiety then and as long as the number is to the place where i can reasonably Mm -hmm. recognize and even better optimally like the seven is the optimal number like some like the case they were making in here like you think if you get a lot of smart people together, 30 smart people will be better than seven smart people, where in actuality, having that smaller team is much better than having a, a bigger mm-hmm. bigger team.
0: Okay. I mean, yeah, that's interesting. I read a bunch of stuff um, about the psychological effects of loneliness. So kind of like you're saying, the kind of dark side of the when you're not a team and you're not connected. But I mean, you know, it's pretty... Dire straits is if you're it? lonely. Yeah, I mean risk of, you know, you know heart anything amazing, from I heart attacks to Mr. dementia. Lonely. I know. That
1: song. I just seen that on this show I was watching the other day. They were playing that song, "Mr. Lonely." We'll have to make a. Uh, we have to do a. You to connection. make a, a mixtape. Yeah, no. well, no, well, a mixtape to go along with this episode. <laughs> yes.
0: Mm-hmm. <sighs> I hope everyone listening knows what a mixtape is.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Uh. Yeah, so, I think what was interesting about this, um, there's a psychologist, John um, Cassiapo, I think is this, uh, how you say it. But um, basically, lonely peoples have kind of activated cortisol. So, in mm-hmm. other words, all the kind of adrenal, adrenaline, and all those kind of hormones. And also, they, their immune system is like on high alert and they think that that's because evolutionarily if we perceive ourselves to be isolated then we are much more at risk for injury and for you know all kinds of bacterial infections and stuff so um to our so But the problem, of course, is that while that is probably good for us if we were living in our ancient world, now having constant high cortisol, I mean, we don't need any more reason in our society to have high cortisol, do we? We're just like stress mongers. (laughs) Um, But again, the same kind of findings, that loneliness is about how we feel, not the actual size of our social network. So in other words, ending loneliness is not about spending more time with people, it's about our attitude to people. And, they see, and he found that just like you're saying with the kind of feeling oxytocin happy with the team or with your tribe also increases your um, awareness, I suppose, of threats of strangers. Yeah. Loneliness increases your perceived threat. Of others. Yeah. Which in a way is really sad because it's like you want connection but the more lonely you get, the more you perceive social threats to be potential, you know, the more you perceive social situations to be threatening and dangerous to you emotionally which means it makes it harder and harder for you to actually get that connection.
1: So how do outsiders get along then? Because I kind of associate with sort of outsiders and is it because of... I don't know. Maybe we don't need that that chemical. I don't know. Do you know? Because yeah, I, I mean, you have your classic outsiders, aren't you? Where the, you know, there isn't a need to connect. Maybe to we, maybe we just
0: have a range. I mean, because you yeah. know, you might be a lone wolf, but you're you know, you've got somebody at home. You're not actually kind of alone all hmm. the time. And if something were to happen, you have somebody to tell that to. So I think you know. I suppose it's it's a kind of different situation I don't know I really don't know
1: yeah no it's it's, it's interesting I think well anyway I I find
0: it and I suppose you know you're it's all about your perception so if for instance you have a few close friends and you may not be in touch with them a lot Hmm. and you may not be very social in terms of seeing people on a daily or weekly basis but you know that if you need to talk to somebody you've got people maybe that's well, uh, that maybe might be enough a, well, whereas you' were it, making
1: me think that maybe what, we, what the connection that we need might be different as in yeah, so that we 're talking about you know the need for a connection, so I get that would probably be different for other people, but, you know maybe I need to be emotionally some people might need to be emotionally connected with someone, maybe others just need to be connected in the sense that I've got someone to go to share an idea with but yeah, I don't that's right, maybe. To, yeah. you know I don't really care about the emotional side of things but I, yeah and yeah. I suppose it would be different as you say maybe if you were completely isolated as yeah, in no, think, yeah. inter, you know, no know. connection at all as opposed to in essence and almost okay here it is that's is what I'm thinking now because solitude is about Going out and being alone, but not lonely, voluntarily, voluntarily alone. Voluntarily alone. So, if you're an outsider, you, even if it's you know, kind of voluntary in that sense, but you're not isolated. You're just al- alone, yeah. solitude, yep. in a permanent state. Even when you're amongst people, you still maintain a sense of solitude yeah yeah yeah
0: there's a there was a great quote in one of the articles it said um it was talking about this um experience of loneliness in urban environments like when you're surrounded by people and sometimes i think that can be one of the most lonely experiences in a way if you're lonely like you know another another time that i i feel like i really experienced loneliness was when i lived in india for six months and again i was kind of not only um, lonely in the sense that I really didn't, for for quite a number of months, I didn't really have any friends there, and I was just doing my research, but also, you're separated by language, so even though I, I could speak a bit of Hindi, my Hindi was really bad, and you know, so there's only a limited number of things you can say, and every kind of communication is a bit of an effort and a struggle, and, yeah. stuff. and I bet people have that a lot when you're moving and you have a language barrier and stuff, but, um, basically he said and this is just you know that um, there's that painting called Nighthawks by someone amazing and famous you know it's that it's that um, painting of and I'll put it in the show notes of the diner and it's just got the guy behind the bar yeah. and a couple and then one guy solitary and you only see him from the back
1: yes and, and to yeah, yeah
0: and uh You know, that just is kind of the artistic expression of that kind of urban loneliness in a way. It's like that night and stuff. But anyway, there was a um, quote in this article that said, Imagine standing by a window at night on the 6th or the 17th or the 43rd floor of a building. The city reveals itself as a set of cells... A 100,000 windows, some darkened, some flooded by green or white or golden light. Inside, strangers swim to and fro, attending to the business of their private hours. You can see them, but you can't reach them. And this, you know, this kind of urban experience of of seeing everyone and watching other people connect, potentially, or seeing other people but not being able to connect with them, I think is quite a yeah, I Palpable, and we've yeah. all kind of had. I, probably there. most of us have had yeah. that experience of kind of just having a moment of looking out and kind of on a sea of. Yeah. But then feeling apart.
1: Because I had about a whole year of that when, when my parents divorced and we moved, my, and we moved down to Georgia. And you know, when you're 16, that's like you know you have all your friends, and that's when friends are most important to you. So. I moved probably the worst time that you could move, which was My right in My dad moved exactly that time. That's right. It was right. right between semesters. So I didn't yeah. even start at... You know, at least if you start in the beginning, then everybody's kind of got that newness. But I ended it... I came the second half of a school year. So all the friendship and everything. Year. Uh, sophomore year. Sophomore year. Right. Um, and that was like the worst because I just got planted into this high school. Absolutely not a single soul or friend, and you know how you know we are at that kind of age, um, and it was in a place I totally didn't want to be in, and so I I completely shut off from the rest of my peer groups, and so I, I had for a whole year, and I didn't speak to people either. I think I would I spoke to people when they spoke to me, but I would never initiate a start a conversation. Um, so that was interesting for, for a whole year I was in that, that that sort of space and then I finally came out after a while and then people wished that I'd gone back to be <laughs> being quiet <laughs> we but, liked you better yeah, as the silent liked, type we liked guy. you better being the silent dude yeah so yeah no, I, I can relate to that and I can tell you I, was, I wrote down here books because I wanted to remind you why I'm never lonely because I always have books
0: yeah they're,
1: they're my best friends <laughs> Uh, the place i turn to for counsel, wisdom. Well, then
0: that kind of chilling. reinforces that idea that loneliness and the feeling of loneliness is really about your, your own feeling about mm. it mm. and your own feeling of being able to connect your experience with others. And I suppose maybe it doesn't matter sometimes if it's a person who's written in a book, but you have that, like, someone else knows what it is like to feel the way I feel.
1: Yeah.
0: And... uh yeah
1: No, that's interesting Mm. because you can go and you can read and you can connect with the whether it's fiction or non-fiction or what have you have that sort of connection with the author or writer of that particular book hmm fascinating there was something else but I can't remember now What, what else did you have on your notes there
0: well let me see there was there's a you know there's kind of a this, there's this quote that I came across It's quite common kind of thing to say so this is attributed to Louise Bourgeois and she says, uh, you are born alone, you die alone, the value of the space in between is trust and love and I'm kind of like yeah that is quite a lot of people's perception of what it is that we're doing but I'm not convinced that that's just true. I mean, first of all, we're certainly not it. born... I know, I knew Exist, you would. Existentialism. You that's right. But I mean, Albert certainly, see, what it. the Dalai Lama would say <laughs> is that if we were born alone, like he's all about connection and, and believing in the value of, or the intrinsic human nature of connection because otherwise our human race would have perished because if we're not born alone. If we were born alone, there would be no humans. Yeah. We have a mother to to take care of us, and that whole oxytocin thing is about making sure that that connection happens. I think it's just the moment,
1: though, isn't it? The moment of birth and the moment of death. You're alone.
0: I suppose. Yeah, it's true. And then you know, there's I suppose there's that like part of me that. You know, because, you know, death is like this ultimate lonely kind of thing looming for people. This is like kind of a common way of of thinking about the experience of death, that like we leave everything behind. And actually, you know, I'm going through this a little bit with my six-year-old because, you know, we had one of those conversations the other day about thinking, oh, wait a minute, this dog has died and now is everything alive, die, and now I'm going to die, you know, yeah. one of those. And, uh, but if you perceive a kind of, if, if part of your kind of conception of life is that there's a life force that, you know, that energy can't be created or destroyed, and you subscribe to that, then perhaps, and obviously I can't say for sure, but perhaps the experience of death isn't necessarily lonely. Perhaps the experience of death could be an experience of reconnection with everything that is. But of course, that's not number one. That's, we don't, we're not guaranteed that. And so, I don't know. I feel like that, that, that story that we tell ourselves about death, that it's a feeling of being alone and an experience of disconnection, we have a, just as little proof of that as we do of the opposite. So I think I might choose the other story.
1: So yeah. You know, I did this exercise once where it's like imagine that you have one year to live, what would you do? Like you knew the day that you're gonna die, you have one year. And then you break it back down to six months, what would you do? And then I think you take it like to thirty days and then you take it down to the last day, what would you do? And my very last moments that in, when I did this exercise, I wanted to be in my little command chair. like I wanted to be lo- alone, like so yeah, right. I would just have a, you know, that last whatever hour I just wanted to have to myself. So little friends, family all right, great now, let me have my chair and my coffee <laughs> and sit in my little re- recliner. That, that was what I would want to do with my last sort of hour just to kind of.
0: But I mean, I, I feel like that's, you know. But does that experience feel lonely no. or solitude? Yeah,
1: solitude for me so, would be so not. So in lonely. men, yeah.
0: actually, if we're, if we're, what we're saying is holds, then not solitude is about connection. So mm. it's about you know it's a, it's not an experience of loneliness. It's an experience of reconnecting with some deeper self that yeah. potentially is gonna
1: because loneliness. You know, it's the force. You return to
0: the force, don't you? Didn't you see Obi Wan?
1: Yes, Obi-Wan. He's (laughs) not really going. Because you normally connect loneliness with people being sad as well when they're lonely. They're not happy necessarily. That's my experience. When you're in solitude, you're you're content, you're, you know, you're, oh, you're not, yeah. Whereas you're sad when you're lonely. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. There's another
0: bone to chew on for the week. Yeah,
1: another one to chew on. Um, This whole idea about solitude versus loneliness i'd be interested to hear what other people have to say and what the sort of thoughts are on this you know because we were going to just talk about social media as well weren't we and i'm just going to throw this out Ooh, here as yeah, good again. idea because like i've noticed patterns in people's tweets and you can tell whether they're when they're lonely mm. like i got a friend right now it seems that way in their wording they've isolated themselves where, as before they weren't. Um, but you had the question, that does social media or the internet...
0: Yeah, and technology in general. Technology in yeah. general
1: push us away and make us more connected, lonely or yeah. more connected. Yeah, I fall on the side that it actually has been a good thing as in it brings people closer together even though people say that it's... Like, I don't buy that it's making us less... Um, connected as in you 're in a room full of people, and everybody 's on their phone, so don't, but then the question for me is well what are they, who are they they 're connected to someone on the other side of that phone, so there 's still a communityness that 's going on and this it's
0: suppose what 's the value of that connection then, and, and yeah. if there be, if they 're able to feel a genuine sense of connection
1: and I think in a lot of times people feel even more connection to people. You know, that, outside of the... that they're immediately around.
0: Yeah, and I, I I don't know. I think that there's also something that is like... we are in this phase of existence where we think we don't ever need to be sick, we don't ever need to be lonely. You know, that all these things are, like, intrinsically terrible. Yeah. If we feel a slight bit of what you might call suffering or pain or discomfort, that's, like, a bad thing. But actually all human beings go through periods of loneliness. Well, what you don't want, of course, is to fall in the hole where yeah, you can't get out. You
1: can't get out of it. But,
0: you know, I think if you haven't experienced that feeling of loneliness that is not solitude, that, that's loneliness, that's like a yearning for connection, there's very few people who would say that, that they've never experienced that. that. And I don't know, is that, is that something that we could expect? Of, you know, in a way...
1: But I think the social media then helps reduce that because one if we're talking connections, one of the things I think that social media levels is if I'm here in this community here but there isn't anyone else that feels like I feel or believes like I believe then I can I feel lonely because there's no one to connect with whereas the internet opens it up for me to find you know those people that have the same feelings and thoughts that i do and so i c- we're able to connect this is one of the things i think about and i know you're not into your sort of don't like the whole politics thing much but i think some of the things that we're seeing in the states is um people's views are coming out more than they used to perhaps age a, you know a, a way back and what i mean by that is if i was you know in a community and I have these certain thoughts, but if I express those thoughts, then I'm probably a minority with those thoughts in that community physically. Go onto the internet, I'm able to connect up with other people that have the thoughts, so I feel safe, I feel connected, I feel... There's less social responsibility,
0: too, of taking responsibility for uh, any kind yeah, of okay, reaction. Yeah, yeah, so to, on that other so side, so that thought.
1: aspect. But I feel I can come out because I've got yeah. all these other people. Or I have a, I have my tribe. Yeah even though they're not physically with me, I've got a connection with my tribe on the internet. And that goes for anything. I just chose sort of politics aspect. But there's you know, if you're you know, like a certain type of game or you collect certain kind of baseball cards, whatever, you can go yeah and you can find other people on the internet and lots of them (laughs) hence why you have forums, you have groups and you have websites built around specific things and that brings you together and that connection and that person that you can relate to even though I can't physically yeah well we'll stick
0: this on a post on our Facebook page so we're at Facebook backslash what Havana Cafe Sessions I think yeah um and yeah if, if you kind of have some thoughts about technology and if it I don't know increases loneliness or increases connection yeah come say what you think
1: Come and not be lonely, and connect yeah. with us. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll feel lonely if you don't connect with us. All right, we better end this thing because I think we're at uh, yeah. we're at the upper limits, and I probably need another coffee right about all right. Yeah, right about now. Right. Oh, you're twisting my arm. All right then. <laughs> Excellent.
0: This episode of the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast is brought to you by people just like you, wonderful listeners. So thank you very much. If you have a spare second and you would want to click over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review or just some stars, that really helps us out a lot and helps other people find us who might enjoy the show. And if you would like to contribute to the show, then you can contribute as little as a pound an episode or less than a coffee an episode um, If you head over to HavanaCafeSessions.co.uk and click on the Contribute button, you'll find all kinds of different ways that you can help us out. Thank you so much if you have already contributed in some way or if you're thinking about contributing and really even just telling other people who you think might enjoy the podcast or um joining in the conversation is very very helpful thank you so much for listening i'm sarah hunt
1: and on behalf of clay Lowe, goodbye and we'll see you next week